Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Welcome again to those of you watching online. Welcome if you're here visiting tonight. You're so welcome. Uh, Is everyone having a good time? Yeah? No? It was like a medium rare response. Um, has anybody like gone for, let's do the little poll. I just want to, you know, I'm a pastor. I want to know how you are. Have you like made the transition from winter to summer in your like consciousness wardrobe trainer? No? Who's still in the like, I have not moved on. I'm going to get rained on. It's cold. I need cashmere. Hands up if that's you. Cash, cashmere. <laughs> Okay, a bit bougie, I know, I know. But I know you guys, some of you are rocking the cashmere. How about if you're like, it's shorts and sandals weather already, slides are out. Hands up, that's you. Tash Dersman, Kaz, that's, that's, white jeans are out, yeah. Hands up if you're like optimistically ready for the summer, but you're not quite there yet in your faith. Like you want it, but you're, this is going nowhere, I can tell. Okay, I'm just going to get on with the, I'm going to get on with the talk. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, it's great, it's great. Hey, um, I want to speak to you tonight uh, as we kind of start the term, and this is like technically we're moving into the summer. I know we're not quite there yet, but um, uh, as we move into the season past Easter, I want to have a little bit of take stock moment where as a church community, I've been speaking across all our services today, a bit about where we've been, what we've been going through as a church, the season we've been, and where we think we're going to be heading. And um, a, a while ago, a friend of mine, Katrina, had this... Um, this kind of picture. She was praying and she got this picture of um, she, this kind of wave of people coming to church. And she was like, she came up to me about a year ago and she said to me, Al, I've got this picture. Like I could see this like wave of people arriving at church. Uh, you need to get ready. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just like low grade cynical most of the time. So I'm like, oh, it's really nice. Great picture. It's like in the category of pictures in my mind of like, hey, I've got this picture of a rainbow or like a waterfall. And being a like sinful, cynical person, I'm just like, thank you so much. Let me think about that. Thinking I'm never going to think about that. Then about six weeks later, she comes up and she goes, hey, listen, I keep getting this picture when I pray of waves of people coming to church and you need to get ready. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But I didn't say that. I was like, thank you so much. Um, and, uh, over and over again, I've been sort of um, mulling over. And then it's felt like, I don't know about you, as the seasons have been changing, um, it, as we went into the new year, and I've said this before, it, people started coming to church more. And we've just seen a growth in the services. Like people, maybe you're here tonight and like you've just like turned up. Maybe you like got dragged along by a friend or maybe you're watching online and someone sent you a link. And you're like, what am I doing watching church on YouTube when I could be watching whatever people watch on YouTube? Um, fashion tips on sandals from Kaz Talbot, you know. Um, slides. Are you paying attention? Were you, were you, were you texting? Well, you were, weren't you? She's texting. I'm like, do, you, do you want to get a coffee? Do you want to like, just relax? You can relax. Um, you have been leading worship all day. You're allowed to have a switch off. It's fine. Just check what's going on. And you, what? You've heard the talk already. <laughs> fine. That's cool. Okay. Great. Do you, can I carry on? Is that... All right. I don't remember where I was now. I can't even, I just lost my track completely. Anyhow, um, what I want to do tonight is look a little bit at some of the stuff that we, we sense is, is going on, and I think a little bit where we're heading in the next few weeks and months. And um, I don't know about you, but um, it feels like God has been really loving people and encouraging people the last few weeks, just even in the worship, just a sense of like 
gentleness and kindness. And um, if you're here for the first time and you're wondering what you're doing in church, um, know that you're probably here because God really loves you and he's real and he's on the move and he's doing something, particularly among young people, that's really cool to watch. Um, We're learning to worship again. Have you noticed that? You know, in the pandemic, we watched the screens and it was a bit like whatever. And not in her fancy, you know, Kaz again in her white jeans. Um, thankfully, you could, you could fast forward during the, you know. Um, but um, we're learning what it is to come into the presence of God and just worship. That's me just getting you back, Kaz, sorry. But we're learning how to, to spend time with Jesus again and a sense of learning what it means to have a, a relationship with God heart to heart and to listen to him and learn from him. And we're seeing people who, who weren't going to church come to church. I met a guy this morning who's, um, you know, here for the second time. It's experiencing God's love. And not only that, but there's a stirring going on for prayer. And I find this really fascinating. Uh, hands up, you find like prayer, your natural state of being. You find it really easy. Okay, like two of you. Like we want to come and hang out with you, three of you. That's great. Um, I don't. I'm like just distractible and excitable and I like try praying and then I'm like oh there's something going my phone is buzzing is a governmental it could be a governmental severe like alert warning must check my phone there could be an asteroid heading towards Hackney um that was a topical reference if you're in the UK to like we all got this alert on the phone at three o'clock did everyone get the alert on the phone no if you didn't get it it's like the rapture like some people got it some people didn't like what happened there you know Um, but anyhow I'm distractible and I find praying really hard it's not my natural state of being but something has been going on in the last few weeks where we've been learning to pray but I'd say I'd go as far as saying there's like this hunger to pray as a church and we started praying with KXC a friend's church at King's Cross and another church called Imprint down the edge of the city and these are kind of two other churches in the local area but we've gathered together and we've seen hundreds of people gathered to pray the first time we did it a few hundred turned up last time a couple of weeks ago we had over 700 people pack into this place it was amazing hands up if you were there on Good Friday it was so fun and every time we do it people are like we should just carry on we shouldn't stop at 11 we should just go on and like I'm like I'm an early bed guy. You know, I need my pillow. Hands up if you're the early bed category. There's a lot of audience response tonight, okay? I'm like the guy who is at like 10 o'clock at night ready for bed. You know, it's conditioned deep in my soul to be asleep. Some of you are not like that, it turns out. And even like theologically, some of you grew up in like Pentecostal backgrounds where it's like night vigil was a thing. Hands up if you like did night vigil as a kid. Okay, you remember Esther, right? You like, you remember as a kid like going and praying all night and it was like the thing. And, and you're ready. I met, met someone this morning who's getting excited about Friday. And they, they had, like, they're packing a pillow. They're coming with a pillow. That's great. Um, anyhow, this Friday night, as you'd have heard already, we are gathering to pray through the night, like starting at 7 p.m. and going all the way through to 7 a.m. And it's going to be so much fun. Now, if you are, um, like, it's a bank holiday weekend, so Saturday and Sunday and Monday, it's going to be cool. But uh, it's going to be, I think, significant for us as church. Even if you can get there for the first part leaving, 7 to 11, come, bring friends, invite other people, make it, like, part of your Friday night on the way to the club, come in and swing by church, like, just bring everyone down. That, that got, like, no response. Sorry. <laughs> it's like awkward dad moment when it's like, on the way to the club, whatever you young people are up to on Friday, you know. Anyhow, um, Friday night's going to be amazing, and we're super excited for what we think God is going to do, because what happens when people pray? Are you still talking? Can you stop talking? When people start praying, 
God moves. That's the one thing we do know, is there's never been a move of God in a generation where God hasn't set his people praying first. And that's what we're a part of, I believe. When God calls people to prayer, it starts to have an impact on the climate of the culture. Next Sunday, we're joined by the, as I mentioned, the team who are involved in stewarding what happened at Asbury that was an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're learning a lot from of what God is wanting to do with younger people. And I'm seriously excited by what we might see happen because I do believe that when you read the history books, and if you've read church history, you'll know that there is a principle where um, the people just get inspired by other stories and faith. But there's something, I think, profound even about praying for, and like passing the fire from one like match to another. Something happens when you lay hands and you pray. It's what the early church learned. It's what, why the church of England, when I went to get ordained, the bishop laid hands on my head and said, come Holy Spirit, because we believe in impartation. And I'm like one of these guys who like, if there's a 0.0001% that we can catch a little bit of what God is doing in this generation, I want to be in the queue for that, Right. So I want to encourage you um, to, to sort of get ready and lean into what God might be wanting to do in this moment. Um, at the same time, there's a kind of warning that goes with this, that when we start to think about God moving and stirring, and maybe, again, you're here for the first time tonight, and you're, you know that there's a hunger in you, there's something stirring in you. What we've got to be really careful is this doesn't become hype or manipulation or wishful thinking or like, hey, we're carried away. We're going we're gonna to just turn up and have a like, great time at church. That's not what God tends to use. And the warning goes like this. Actually, what God is really interested in is our hearts, like the condition of our hearts. And nothing will kill and quench the fire of what God would want to do in a generation than when we start to get a little bit carried away in our hearts with our own importance, our own pride, our own sense of like me, myself, and I. So there's a note with this that we want to make sure that our hearts are keeping low, that we keep repenting, we keep walking in humility and holiness. Because otherwise, what tends to happen is familiarity breeds contempt. It's like, oh, well, you know, we just, we're just used to God doing amazing things. So actually, that, that's not healthy. Or you start to compare yourself. Say, so, well, well, you know, what was that Sunday like? Well, well, I don't like it when this worship leader leads worship. I like it when that worship leader. I don't like that song. Or I like, or the person next to me, you know, they're not quite as you know, holy as me. Or they're not quite as, you know, comparison is a killer. Or we walk through life when we don't resolve some of the wounds in our hearts, it ends up actually becoming quite inhibitive to the love of God flowing into our hearts. It leads us to unresolved anger and pain. Or even just like apathy. You know, apathy is one of those things that you have to keep fighting in your life. You have to kind of push it back and remind your soul that, no, you're going to choose to go in. You're going to choose to enter into what God has for you. And apathy, if we're not careful, can lead to this sort of cynicism. And I see this in my own life, where we just sort of, we just get a bit bored with God. Has that ever happened to you? It's like, well, you know, I'm just going to sort of lean back rather than lean in. And here's the thing, God loves you too much to leave you on the sidelines of what he wants to do in your generation. He wants you to go in. He doesn't want you to miss out. And what I want to do today is look at a story in the New Testament that is one of the most famous stories that Jesus t tells. 
that talks about one of the things it teaches us is the principle of going in, of how we go in to the presence of God. It's a story that would be really familiar, the story of the prodigal son. And you'll know, hands up if you heard the story of the prodigal son before, it's like famous. In fact, there's a square over there if you go over the road on the way to um, uh, Wave, we are vegan everything, the cafe there. That's a um, prodigal square, it's called. Um, and it has a statue of the prodigal son by Charlie Maxey. And um, the story of the prodigal son essentially goes like this. There's a guy who's in the household of his father and he's the youngest son. He says, okay, forget it. I want out. I want my check now as if you're dead. He goes off and he squanders it all on like, go, basically like the, the spiritual equivalent of going to Vegas. He has like a massive, like he just goes big for a number of years and then he runs out of money and he realizes it's a nightmare and he comes home and he says, I'm really sorry. And rather than him getting like in trouble, like when you came home late night from that party and your parents are waiting and it's like, I've been busted and then you get grounded and you're in trouble. God is like represented by this father who runs towards this kid and like runs, hitches up his robes and runs into the desert and runs to meet him, puts his arms around him, wraps him home, takes him up and says, you are loved, you are welcome. I'm celebrating you, I love you. And that is, by the way, the gospel. That's the message of Jesus. If you are here and you don't know God or it's like a strange experience for you, God is running out to meet you before you're running towards him, okay? Really important point. But in my Bible, it says, I have a new international version. It's the Bible we use as a church. And it says this at the top. It's this little, little title. It says, The Parable of the Lost Son. Now, those titles are not in the original Greek. They are put in there by the kind of people who translated the Bible. They're very helpful. But in the original Greek, in the, um, in, in the words that were actually spoken by Jesus, there is another title that is more accurate. In verse um, Luke 15, we're going to go to. Verse 11. Let me read this to you. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continues with the title of the parable. He says this. There was a man who had two sons. The story of the prodigal son is actually the story of the prodigal sons, plural. And we miss this quite often. Because while the famous prodigal son, the one who runs away, goes to Vegas, has a moment, comes back, comes home, and gives his life to, you know, back into the house. That's a story that is really famous and preached about the whole time. There is another prodigal son who we're going to read about tonight. And the reason we're going to look at this is I believe in this story, we learn some crucial lessons for our hearts if we're going to position our hearts right for a season of renewal and awakening in our generation. And these are lessons that we can apply right now tonight, but also the lessons that I want you to take away and think about as we go into a weekend of praying and, and seeking God and seeing amazing things happen. These are things that we're going to learn tonight. They're going to help us position our hearts in such a way that we deal with hurt, that we deal with alienation, we deal with cynicism, and we allow God to do everything he'd want to do in our hearts. All right? So I want you to continue with me. We're going to read um, verse 11. Jesus continues, a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That's the famous bit. Then I'm going to fast forward the story because you'll know the next bit of the story. We preach about it the whole time. Right the way through to verse 25. Meanwhile, part two of the story, the other prodigal, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother, verse 28, became angry and refused to go in. The brother became angry and refused to go in. 
So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he asked his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And then listen to this. This is what God's heart for you is tonight. This is what God's love looks like. Written large on the wall behind me, written large in your heart by the Holy Spirit tonight, I pray. The Father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. My son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. You're so Anglican at 6 p.m. I love it. The older brother is the one in the story, by the way, that, that I identify with more regularly than the younger brother because I've been a Christian for like 20 years. My Vegas days are over. But cynicism and sin still take my heart away from my father's house on a regular basis. And I find myself at times going, well, I'm in the field. I'm serving you. I, I, I'm trying to you know, make a difference with my life. And And yet, it's so unfair that that person has it so easy. Maybe they've come to church and they're suddenly like on the stage telling their story and I've been at the back making the tea and coffee for the last six months and nobody knows my name. And then like in my day-to-day life, like I've been praying for that husband or that partner or you know, whatever it might be. And then like, and then like someone comes to church and they're just like, everything happens for them. And yet in my life, it's really hard. Or maybe you're like, you experience relational pain or hurt in your life. You're like, it's not easy for me. I wish it was easy and I'm slaving away for you God and and I've obeyed you but you don't see me noticing me maybe you've grown up when it's been painful in church and you're dealing with like hurt from the past and and there's been trauma in your experience even the pandemic will maybe have been really hard for you and you get these places where it's like it's hard God do you not care about my mental health my physical health my, my financial situation and I thought when I became a Christian it was going to get easier and it's not it's like it's got harder and it's more costly. I'm neither in one world or the other, and it feels really difficult. And in this moment, we learn something about the nature and the heart of God. Three things tonight that will help our hearts stay in the presence of God. And I believe would unlock for you and I that we would avoid the trap of cynicism and alienation and pain. Here are the three things. Real quick, number one, verse 31, my son, my son. The first thing is this, your identity is secure. Know that your identity is secure. You're not the baggage that Jesus has saved. You're the one that Jesus loves. You're beloved, you're precious, you're loved without limits. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. More than that, he also really likes you. (laughs) And that may be news to you. Maybe like, oh, I've heard that Jesus loves me. He also really likes you. Like he rates you. Like he would like to to be your friend. And I know that sounds crazy, but he cares about you. You know, this father who runs out, by the way, like the prodigal is out the house, the father also runs out to the older brother. He runs, he leaves the house in the middle of a party, which no one ever does. If you're having a party at your house, you don't go out. Unless it's to get like extra 
Torres Crisps, I know you, some of you, Sinapa. Um, like, like you don't go out, you don't go out in a party at your house, no one does that. And yet, God comes running towards you out of the comfort zone because he really cares about you. He loves you, he likes you, he wants to be with you. And he says to you tonight, my son, my daughter, So I wonder tonight if you might remind your heart not just who you are, but whose you are. You might remind your heart that you are not a servant. You know, the the older brother's theology is like all messed up. He says, I've slaved for you. No, you haven't. You're a child. You're the heir. In fact, he was the only heir. Everything was his. So remind his heart tonight that you are loved. And maybe that's a hard bit of news to get from your head to your heart. Well, let me tell you how it works. It goes like this, like your heart can experience love tonight. And here's how. The Holy Spirit, and we're going to ask him to do this in a moment, can fill the inside of you with the love of God. There's no other way to do it. That love is here for you tonight and you can experience it. First thing, your identity is secure. Second thing, your, God's presence with you is assured. Like you can leave the house, you can run to the other side of the ocean, you can go a thousand million miles away, but God is not going to let you go. His presence with you is assured. He's with you. Look at verse 31, continues, you are always with me. You're never alone. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. You're at home in God's love. You may feel like a mess, but God has got your heart. And so much of what we do as Christians is reminding our world and ourselves that we're in the presence of God. That's why we worship. And you know, I'm like, I don't want to stop worshiping until I realize I'm back in the presence of God. I'm reminding my heart and my spirit that I'm in the presence of God. That's why we come and we worship. It's like reminding us, oh yeah, you're here. You love us. We're here with you. So the second thing to remember tonight is God's presence is assured. The action point here is to cultivate in your heart a sense of availability to God. He's always with you. The question is, will you be with him? And will you turn towards him or will you turn away from him? And that's a little daily choice that we make has profound impact if we do it each day. Then the third thing we learn is this, that God's provision is yours. God's provision is yours. Look at the verse, it continues, verse 31. I am with you always and everything I have is yours. You're always with me and everything I have is yours. Just think about this for a moment. Everything God has is yours. I mean, think about this. The universe, the galaxies, the stars, all the resources in all the bank accounts, everything that God has, he shares with you. When you give your life to Jesus, you died. You rose with Jesus. That's the Easter story. And now everything that is Jesus's is yours. And you may say, well, you know, I I don't feel like I have 
the knowledge yet. I haven't really, I'm, I, I don't have like an advanced like master's degree level in Christianity. Or, you know, maybe I, you know, if I was a bit better at this, a bit more holy at this, if I could, you know, maybe um, lead a connect group or, or, you know, be on the worship team with Kaz, that would be like a big deal. Like if I could like, or, you know, do the coffee, that would be like, if I, if I could like, or maybe if I could get on the ministry team and pray for people, I could become someone who's like an expert at that stuff. Like then you might become like more qualified or you might have more of Jesus. You already have all of Jesus that you could possibly have. That is the great news about the gospel. You, don't, you can't get any more of what God has already won for you at the cross. It's yours. All you can do is accept it and live in it. Like everything you need, God has already deposited in you when you gave your life to him and you got filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole toolkit of the Holy Spirit, you have the gifts of the Spirit, the potential to grow the fruit of the Spirit is in your life. You don't need anything other than to keep giving your life back to Jesus and let his life build up big in you. The rest of it is just experience and track record and walking with him. So let me encourage you today, step into the inheritance that's already yours. It's a living inheritance. You know, this is the craziest thing about the Christian faith. You don't wait till you die to get the inheritance. When you gave your life to Jesus, you died. And at that moment, you received from God all that he wants to do, all that he has for you, the whole toolkit of the Christian faith is yours. So let me encourage you, don't shortchange your potential or your destiny today by believing a reduction, reduced view of God. Like step into the fullness of who you're called to be and access God's provision for you. Take God at his word. Everything he has is yours. And for some of us here tonight, I want to talk to you about your spiritual authority for a moment. You know, it's like for some of us, we're walking around like not taking this on board. We're, we're doing sort of, um, I guess the best way to explain it, we're, we're kind of eating baby food rather than the banquet. Like God has given you authority over your life. All authority is yours. So learn to use it. Learn to pray. Learn to prophesy. Learn to read the Bible. Learn to take on situations with grace and kindness and not respond in ways that are not healthy. Learn to live the naturally supernatural Christian life that's already yours. The inheritance is already yours. Does that make sense? Okay, good. I have a friend, Nikki Brown, who's part of our worship team. And, and Nikki's, um, he's teaching me a lot. He, he's a brilliant guy. He's like Pentecostal kind of legend and has led worship for years in different places. And um, he, he's been part of this church for, I guess, like six years now. He used to hide behind a column at the back. And I was like, hey, Nikki, come and lead worship in the 90s worship. And he's just a great guy. And he um, will often say, like, if there's a church, like, worship time or, like, um, you know, like the ministry time really kicks off or uh, like the worship really blows up. He has this phrase that I love. He was like, oh, Al, we went in. We went in. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what is that? Like, I'm an Anglican. Like, where did you go? What, what, what did you do? And he's like, let me explain to you. You know, when you, when you like press into the presence of God, you experience more of the love and the power of God. And there are times as a church we gather, we go in. And then I read this phrase in this passage where it says the son was angry and would not go in. And I'm like, wow, I wonder if we're in danger of being a generation who is so caught up with our own pain that we refuse to let God heal us and go in. 
And I wonder if what God might want to do tonight in us is say, would you come and would you let me embrace you? And would you let me love your prodigal heart? And would you let me help you to get right with me and get healed and get free from the stuff that holds you back? And where you feel hurt and broken, you're not going to find healing and hope and love in other places. You're going to find it in me. And then would you let me take you by the hand and lead you in to the Father's house, to the Father's heart where there's dancing and music and joy and freedom and life and resurrection and hope. And honestly, that's what I believe God is teaching us to do. You know, we've had a season where we've stripped everything away. We've learned again that we just come as we are. We repent. We get right with God. God comes and he meets with us. And it's a beautiful thing. We're learning that in a new way. But this is a time, I believe, for us to learn to go in. Prodigal heart set on fire. A.W. Tozer, one of the, um, my favorite writers, said this, that, that Jesus came to make rebels into worshipers. Like that's what he wants for your rebel heart and my rebel heart, that we wouldn't wander away into cynicism and bitterness and like hurt over the years we walked with him. Instead, we would continually keep running back to the heart of a father who invites us, says, come in. Come on, let's go in. And so maybe tonight, I don't know, you're, you're, you, maybe you're here and like me, there are moments when you need to renew that direction of travel with God. You need to turn your heart back to him. Maybe you're here and you've experienced pain. Maybe you're experiencing pain tonight. Don't handle and hold that pain on your own. It was never intended for you. Bring it to Jesus. He's got nail-marked hands and he's able to hold your pain more than you are. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel distant from God. You felt like a, a sort of, um, I don't know, not like a Vegas kind of prodigal, but just like a kind of, I'll sit at the back and guard my heart. No offense if you're on the back row, we still love you. But, um, you know, I'm going to be like, I'm going to hold myself away from God and I'm going to hide behind barriers of, hey, I've got it all together, a mask of, of like, hey, I'm okay on the outside. But on the inside, you're just getting more and more distant from God. And if that's you tonight, God wants you to come in and be welcomed by him. And maybe you're here tonight and you know God has been stirring something in you. And you're like, oh, I want more. I know that there's something happening in my generation. I can see it beginning to bubble up even in this place. And, and we want everything you have for us, Jesus, but we don't know how. Would you let the Father come and take you by the hand and say, let's go in. Let's go in. Let's go in tonight. I'm going to stop there. Um, what I'd love us to do is just be still for a moment. And... Um, yeah, I'm just going to wait. We're just going to wait. I haven't really got a plan. I'm going to pray, and we'll see what the Lord wants to do. Does that sound all right? Does, does, that make, does any of that make sense to anybody? Just raise a hand if anything I said made sense. Okay, fantastic. Okay, great. Um, I'm not speaking to myself. Well, I am speaking to myself, but I'm not on my own, so thank you. Okay, why don't we just be still for a moment, and we're going to um, just take a moment to pray. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.